Welcome to Bored and Nerdy. I'm Transformers nerd Christopher. That was my brother Corey. Today we'll be talking about Star Wars Shadows of the Empire by Steve Perry, which was published in 1996. It was also a Nintendo 64 video game, which was also released in 1996. And for those of you that are bad at math, that was 25 years ago. Was it really 25 years ago? Holy crap. There was also a comic book. It was a it was a multiple pronged approach. Spoiler warning: This will contain spoilers for the novel, especially, but the N64 game as well, and basically anything related to Shadows of the Empire. But it's 25 years old, so I feel like if uh, you cared about that, you would know already. But just in case, spoiler warning. So at the time, Shadows of the Empire came out. They had uh, done the special edition Star Wars movies, and uh, those were all big. Me and my brother went to see them all in the theater. There was a bunch of merch. They had uh, action figures and vehicles. And do you remember the uh, action fleet with the like? They were little tiny vehicles. They were uh, uh, hand-sized vehicles that you could put like a little guy in. This toy line went through the whole uh, special edition. Uh, trilogy and then shadows of the empire takes place between empire and uh, return of the jedi the toy line continued on through all the vehicles and characters in this book so i mean we had zizor or shizor or however you say that character and we had the dash rendar and the his weird spaceship and uh these were all toys uh even though there's no movie which i think would be a really fun thing if they were to release Shadows of the Empire as like a straight to Disney Plus animated movie. I think that would be really fun. That could be awesome. That would be really cool actually. They could use the same uh animation that they're using with What If. They could just use the same computer. I would love that. I would really like that. That would be pretty kick ass actually. So Disney, you heard it here, sales pitch for easy views. If you want to get something to stream, like with a lot of traffic for your Star Wars brand, there are some people that have been in love with this story for 25 years, and you can hook us up with that animated movie. But is it canon? It would become <laughs> canon. I mean, it's got a video game, and they've been pretty accepting of video games or canon for Star Wars, but it does fall under the awkwardness of when Disney bought uh, Star Wars, they declared all extended universe things to be not canon. But between the Disney Plus shows and, uh, you know, uh, some extra side projects, we have gotten some extended universe things brought into being canon. So I'm not going to rule it out. Many of you probably just played the video game because it was super popular on the Nintendo 64. And so rather than talk about that first, which I'm sure most of you want to hear about, I'm going to talk about the book. And so to give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on, I'm not going to walk you through <laughs> the entire thing. I want to talk about where we meet all of our characters which is immediately after the Empire Strikes Back, and then where they end up 
which puts them ready for Return of the Jedi. And Chris is going to uh, jump in with random trivia and the like, because I'm just going for summary mode here. Uh, for those of you that are interested, though, the book is really short, and I think it was really fun. I reread it not too long ago, and I enjoyed myself the entire time. I remember getting it uh, on an audio cassette back when it when it had come out and listening to it on a on a Walkman. Wow. Yeah. How cool are you? <laughs> I listen to it on audio as well. I like to do the audiobook while driving. And I got to say, they they went all out. It was theatrical. We got Darth Vader breathing sound effects. We got droid beeps. We got engine flares. We got lightsaber ignition. We got theme songs. Oh, man, the audiobook was fantastic. And it's only three hours long. So Audible, you're welcome. I'll look for my commission check uh, in the mail. <laughs> Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored not sponsored but i mean audible yeah sponsored? but we could be we sponsored? Could be. <laughs> so, i could see bored and nerdy merch being a thing uh anyways <clears throat> the book where we meet our characters we've got leia lando and chewy searching for han by tracking boba fett We've got Luke on Tatooine building a new lightsaber using Ben Kenobi's journals in uh, his home. I just Kenobi's had a home. realization. With the setup for this book, what you've just said, uh, Shadows of the Empire is, to the original trilogy, what Clone Wars is in the prequel trilogy. It's the exact same thing. It's set in the exact same slot in the in the trilogy. And I'm pretty sure... The Mandalorian and Bad Batch prove just how successful the Clone Wars was as a TV show. So Disney, I'm going to say it again, animated Shadows of the Empire movie. <laughs> really good idea. Definitely not enough material to be a TV series, though, unless it was a one and done, like six episode thing. Because as said, it's a three hour long book. And I don't even think the video game takes four hours to beat. And they follow a fairly similar path. And so I feel like that movie is the sweet spot. It's not a super complicated story, but uh, it does a good job of introducing some new characters and most importantly, new tech and vehicles and stuff. New toys. Yeah, new toys. I think that's one of the downfalls in the sequel trilogy is we didn't get a ton of new uh spaceships and stuff and i mean it is essential to the star wars brand to keep it interesting and shadows of the empire in fact they bring a whole new faction yeah we get introduced to the black sun crime syndicate which definitely opens up a whole bunch of opportunities uh for as said toys <laughs> yeah, I definitely had the little Prince Zizor's fighter. Uh, it was really awesome. Like it, it, the wings could open up, kind of like an X-wing, but on its side. And uh, it, it had a very unique uh, looking cockpit with like a triangular kind of almost stained glass looking window on the front of it, and big big guns that would swivel behind it when it wasn't attacking for some reason. Like yeah. Star Wars is all about the the flashiness. The the Vipers were really cool ships. Yeah, Vipers. Yeah, Vipers. Speaking, yeah. So I guess we've talked about them enough. And just to screw with all of you, 
Shizor, because Chris said Zizor. You know, it's Zizor, Shizor, Zizor. It starts with an X, and so they move. X I Z O R. But audiobook man pronounced it Shizor, and so I'm gonna stick with uh, that guy because I I enjoyed his reading. So we're gonna go with Shizor when I say it. Fairness. Just to mess with the rest of you, and Chris says Zizor. I'm gonna Uh, say any of them. No promises. Shizor is the new character. He is a new alien species. He's 100% exclusive to this story. And so Shizor enters the scene wanting to basically get the Emperor's approval. He's really trying to get in good with the Empire. And he's decided the way he's going to do that is by making Darth Vader, of all people, look bad. And we find out that the reason he wants to do that is revenge. Vader was responsible for destroying Shizor's home city, which also killed his entire family other than him, because he was the only one off planet at the time. And so you kind of have this interesting revenge story, because really, if you think about Star Wars, who's the one guy you don't want to go for in some like petty grudge match? You don't want to fight Vader, right? Vader's terrifying. Vader took out the Jedi, but Shizor, he's just some crime guy that's got a lot of money. And he happens to be unnaturally beautiful. And he has this, like, perfectly lethal fembot servant. And he's got this uh, Tarascasi martial art style, which did become canon, uh... And we saw it in the solo movies, uh, movie. And so, you know, Shadows of the Empire's got uh, a connection there. And so Shizor ends up deciding the way that he's going to make Vader look bad is by getting Luke killed. Because Vader and the Emperor had this conversation where Vader basically convinces the Emperor that recruiting Luke instead of killing him is a good idea because he'd be a powerful asset. And so she's sort of like, I'm going to make your suggestion look dumb because I'm going to kill the guy. What could possibly go wrong, right? And to help him out on this, he's an alien that can release these pheromones that allow him to manipulate people through his sexiness. So that's just a win. That was one of the things, actually, uh, in the novel that uh, the the production company had them go back through and kind of downplay a little bit. I guess it used to even be more heavy-handed in, like, original drafts. Yeah, definitely creepy. Yeah, yeah. Alien seduction powers. But in a world with the Force, I mean, getting people to do something against their will isn't exactly uncharted territory. Uh, We've talked about him enough, so let's catch up on where our Vader buddy is. Vader and the Emperor are currently agreeing whether or not to, you know, hunt Luke alive or to kill him. They ultimately decide on alive. But the, the interesting thing about the book is we get an insight into Vader, and it was really one of the first times that a large audience got that, because yes, there were other extended universe uh, medias that gave us that insight, but this one was huge. And we find out that Vader is just angry all the time. He's just boiling with rage, and that's not something that you fully see in the original trilogy. He kind of comes across as this cold-hearted machine but it's one of those things that works better on the page because you can describe what they're feeling and thinking 
it it really does work better on the page but it was a little jarring when i first read it because it's been a long time since i went through any of the other extended universe stuff and so it took that second to recalibrate to a oh man th this angst is very anakin i believe even in that in this novel uh, but in a lot of the extended universe stuff, they go into like that he needs to maintain this level of hatred and like all these negative feelings for his body to keep operating in the damaged state that it's in. That does come up in this. Yeah. And it's like the second he has a, a happy thought, things start going poorly for him. And the Black Sun is helping uh, the Empire by selling them a fleet of shipment uh, spaceships that are helping them move uh, the cargo for, that is the materials for the new Death Star. And you can't talk about cargo without bringing up our Han Solo stand-in Dash Rendar. <laughs> Discount Han! <laughs> it's like, literally, Han, Han is frozen in carbonite, what do we do? Well, we recast Harrison Ford with a hand-drawn picture of Kevin Costner. Just add a little stubble there, Harrison. Put on a little stubble and we'll change your name. No one will know. No one will know. But yeah, I think it was something like literally the production company project people said, well, make a uh, an outlaw, rogue, whatever, Han stand-in to, to deliver the Han Solo lines. Like even in the N64 game, he looks like Kevin Costner. I would say especially, but more so on the posters than uh, the actual 64 graphics. Because yeah, if you true. look back at the 64 graphics, uh, he looks a lot like a few rectangles. Yeah, like you can't, yeah. yeah. Old character designs, it's a miracle that they look like anything at all. Yeah, yeah. Watching him run, it's like, dang, these guys really <laughs> went all out on their animation budget. <laughs> but it was like super advanced for the time, too, is what's crazy about it. But weren't we saving that for the end? Yeah, it's a, it's a little sprinkling of, you know, anticipation. Um, so Dash is brought into this world because, once again, our smuggler outlaw gambler who knows every bad guy in the universe that's not quite a bad guy, Lando, knows him. And so Lando hires Dash to help them uh, because he knew how to find Boba Fett. And so that's his whole connection is he agrees to bring Leia to Boba Fett. We get to see Luke fight with his new lightsaber and kind of yeah. show off how cocky he is uh, while he's flying his X-Wing and being a Jedi. So you kind of get that version of Luke that the world wanted out of the, the sequel trilogy. Uh, and it's fun because we get to see him get mad at Dash for being cocky, but Luke's super cocky in the story. So, you know, it just kind of shows Luke is still young. Um, we get to meet the Bothans and learn about, you know, the Bothan spy network, which is really cool. And then we get to uh, follow Vader as he's getting manipulated, realizing he gets manipulated, and ultimately just destroying Shizor's world. He blew up his home and now he blows up his crime syndicate satellites and just goes after Shizor because he basically tells him, oh, we found out who you are and I found out that you're trying to kill Luke Skywalker. Don't. Don't test me. 
if you go against what I'm saying, I'm going to kill you. And Shizor's like, you wouldn't try to kill me. The Emperor would tell you not to. And Vader's like, okay, you're dead. <laughs> so it's just really fun. Uh, so unfortunately for our man Shizor, who thought he controlled everything, who thought he seduced Leia, who thought that he could take our heroes on by himself with a pistol when his entire security team couldn't, he tried to shoot Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber out. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, that's that's not going to work. He unfortunately ends this story getting tragically blown up by Vader. Yeah, doesn't Dash Rendar also get killed? Yeah, spoilers. Well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Shizor and Dash, the two guys that were newly introduced, get killed off immediately. Shizor's is off screen, technically. You know, it's really, really hard to believe that he could get away with uh, surviving, especially as a non-force user. But, you know, he's an alien with He'll a super advanced... He'll just stick advanced... some metal legs on him. He'll be fine. Yeah. And But he doesn't Star have the, Wars. the evil Sith dark side energy to keep him alive yet. <laughs> uh, so Shizor is unfortunately dead, but I feel like they could pull some stupid juju to get him back. And uh, then we've got uh, Dash who agrees to help Luke, agrees to help Leia. We end up finding he's not just some heartless for the money guy. He does have some standards. He thought that he was responsible for getting a whole bunch of people killed because he didn't shoot down a missile. And so he's this guilt-driven, agrees to help the good guys guy. And then he gets blown up as soon as the heroes save the day because he flew into some debris of Shizor's skyhook. <laughs> because they had to write him out. They had to write him out before the it end. It is just he's not so abrupt. One. They're like, all right, let's fly home. But they need to, instead of doing that, they did the same thing with uh, Rogue One, which I think did work there. But, I mean, you've got to go, like, does it matter if these characters continue living? Does it matter? Because, like, then you can use them later. Yeah, I think that the whole thing was they were trying to avoid why isn't he in Return of the Jedi? Because he's busy doing other things. Really, it would be so easy to pretend he was. Because yeah. Return of the Jedi, once again, spoilers, guys. I'm going to talk about Return of the Jedi. Yeah, spoilers for Return of the Jedi. How old is that? We have movie? Lando show up with this huge fleet of random spaceships from the uh, Rebel Alliance, and they're fighting in space. Yeah, sure, one of those ships is being piloted by Dash Randar. He's just not on screen. Okay, I believe you. Or uh, Episode Nine, Lando flies off and shows up with a whole bunch of fleets to fight not the Death Star, but, you know, the Empire again. Take that, Palpatine. And, oh, and D D Dash was in one of those spaceships, too. You know, like, how hard would it be to pretend that Dash showed up for these things? But no, he got blown up and the heroes saw it happen. Yeah, he crashed because he's really bad at piloting, apparently. No, they spend the whole movie <laughs> or not movie, the whole uh, the whole book talking about how good he is at it. And they showed that he was cocky, like he flew his ship too low and it could have clipped the top of trees and blah, blah, blah. He was a cocky guy. And so he tried to show off or something. But this was like the least showboaty moment of the entire book for him. And he uh, just gets wiped out. And then Luke's like, aw, 
I wanted him to get put in his place for being cocky, but I didn't want him to die. <laughs> and then Luke finds out, like, oh, hey, did you guys know that that missile that Dash failed to shoot down was actually some new and advanced thing that he could have never shot down in a million years and he totally hit with all of his blaster fire? And Luke's like, oh, I wanted him to get put in his place for being cocky and he died and he felt bad about a thing that he didn't even screw up on? Ah, oh, bummer. And it's like, oh, huh sour note to end on there guys yeah that's weird yeah and then uh he's the main character in the uh video game and so when he dies at the end it's kind of like wait what <laughs> like you won good job oh dash dash where are dash <laughs> yeah the good old die and cut scene ending of a video game <laughs> yeah it's definitely awkward gosh it, it mixes together in my mind though what, what was from the book and what was from the comic book but there was a whole sequence where they're like infiltrating uh shizor's palace and so like they're uh or skyhook i guess and so uh they're all dressed up like luke's in the uh imperial guard armor and uh uh lando is in his disguise he wears later at Jabba's palace and uh i think yeah leia's in her disguise too i believe yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And Chewie's got his like haircut or whatever. The <laughs> haircut and mud smear tattoos. Dude, we had all those action figures when we were kids. We had every single one of those characters. Luke Skywalker in like the Imperial Guard, uh, like the red armor. So yeah. I don't uh, remember that from the book. So that might be a comic book thing. With Shadows of the Empire, the idea was that they would go on all the prongs of media. And it would be a dry run for uh, the prequel trilogy that they were ramping up to do. So, like, episode one was going to have merch. It was going to have novels. It was going to have video games. It was going to have uh, all this stuff, uh, comic books. So they wanted to be sure that they knew uh, how it was going to go and had a kind of a practice run. So they did all the same things of having a movie, but without the movie. But uh, the other thing that was in the comics, I remember, is there was a whole sequence where, uh, yeah, Luke is on Tatooine building his lightsaber out of Ben Kenobi's house. And, like, some kind of criminals show up on swoop bikes, and he has to do, like, this big, like, swoop bike fight chase scene and, and lightsaber them to pieces. It, it's good stuff. The, those comics are awesome. And uh, a good portion of the Shadows of the Empire comics actually follow Boba Fett. And it's some of the first, like, insight into the Boba Fett character you get. And it's him against, like, the other bounty hunters. Um, really cool comics. The artwork was amazing. I had, like, two issues of it when I was a kid. The game was split into four parts. And so part one, we have Dash helping fight the Hoth invasion in a snow speeder. And I think he did it for free. I don't think anybody mentioned him getting any money in the video game. Uh, but he has to fight his nice way guy. through the Hoth rebel base. And he has to activate some shield door generators. And then he gets to fight off this army of TIE fighters to leave. So when they were making this game, uh, there was a lot of debate about what kind of game to make. And they made the mistake, uh, the developers say they made the mistake of selecting to make like every kind of game at once. And that's why there's so many different uh, control schemes or tr so many different like uh, interfaces or whatever in this game is because it really is a bunch of like separate games. Like there's a space shooting game and there's a snow speeder flying game and there's a most of it is like a third person action adventure game. Well, yeah, when they uh, when they originally started making the uh, the game, 
and they were settling on kind of something like a third person shooter uh they they had a, a prototype and they were working on it in full steam ahead and then they played super mario 64 and they went oh crap ours does not work as good as this we need to scrap it and start over and it's pretty rough and i know you played it on pc but uh playing it on a uh, analog stick like you know, it's a pretty rough game to control as far as the character's movement goes. So imagine how bad it must have been before they were like, oh, we need to do something more in line with Mario 64. And for the record, playing it on PC was not actually much easier. <laughs> totally, it's still bad. <laughs> it still has some issues. Uh, one of the big ones being that dude can jump. Like, his... Uh, Long jump is deceptively awesome. And so I definitely killed myself a lot of times jumping between platforms. And it also didn't handle uh, inclines well. If you try to run up an incline, something with the frames, I think I, I read that it was, uh, you'll just start sliding. And so a little annoying running uphill. Start going downhill and all of a sudden you just get launched and you're dead. So uh, other annoying thing from part one of the game was the final boss was an ATST that you get to fight as third person dash Rendar. And it was really hard because it just instantly blows you up. And, you know, you get to run around and climb up on stuff and get health packs and everything. But if you try and stand there and shoot, it does a lot of damage. It should. You're, you're a little dude. Uh, part two we get to uh, get a cutscene, which is pretty cool because, you know, the 64 didn't do a ton of cutscenes, but we got one between Vader and the Emperor where they're like, oh, we want Luke. And we find out that she's or of Black Suns deciding to disrupt Vader and the Emperor's relationship. He wants to be the right hand man, changes the bounty. Uh, yeah, basically whereas... the whole plot of the novel in like. Yeah, except it's a little different because in the in the game, he changes the bounty and in the book, he added a second bounty and so vader's bounty was for luke skywalker alive and she's always paid more for dead uh but in the game it just changed it and so we even get the mention of the cargo vessels for the construction project on endor so super book <laughs> cutscene. uh and so this is the one where we get uh dash chasing down ig88 because ig88 should be able to bring him to boba fett Dude, as a kid, I, I remember that level being like anxiety, like, ah, oh, he can see every direction and he's running every which way and he's like, so jump skinny. On you. Like, how do you how do you shoot at him? He's so skinny. Well, on the note of that, the game has auto aim and unlimited ammo. Your gun just overheats if you shoot too fast, too often. And I suppose we're probably not thinking about auto aim back in the day. Yeah, um, but I just let him jump in front of me, and then I spammed my Seeker missiles, and he died. And then the the next map is where you're uh, going after Boba Fett, and it's got all the cliffs that with the inclines, you're just flying off of mountains. And so the, the map was hard. Uh, platforming, it was hard. And then I got to Boba Fett, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I remember this. Did I ever get this far? Am I further than I've ever been in this game before? Oh, this is so scary and so cool. I remember him being pretty easy, uh, but but the second phase where he's a spaceship is, like, super Oh, hard. man, when the Slave 1 comes out, oh, I died. Literally got game over on the Slave 1, like, twice. Like, I remember it just kind of hovers in front of you and shoots missiles at you. 
Yep, and it like tracks you. you. No matter how fast you run, it's on you. And so finally I realized, wow, why am I wasting all of my good ammo on Boba Fett? He's so easy. I'm just going to take him down with my pistol. And then I yeah. then I flew up with my jetpack. So you get a jetpack. You get to fly around with a jetpack. How cool is that? And so I flew up right in front of Slave 1 with my fancy ammo. And I just <laughs> held down the trigger and Slave 1 blew up. Like, it didn't even shoot. Nice. It was just like, boom, done. And it was like, wow, I feel like an idiot came overing this twice. And then from what I remember of the game, it, it uh, there's a level where you're exploring the Shizor's palace, and then a lot of the rest of it is, like, space combat fighting, uh, uh, kind of a locked camera, or you you move the camera around a locked spaceship while the spaceship flies around. Yeah. Kind of, kind so, of on rails um, that That's part four. Uh Part three of the game is when Dash goes to Tatooine to help Luke. And so we get to fly a first person swoop bike, which was just oh, yeah, I forgot about the that worst level. version of Star Wars pod racer ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, this and, is what I'm talking about, that they tried to do too many different kinds of game. And it was so awkward, though, because like the whole thing was that you had to destroy other swoop bikes, but you didn't have any weapons. You had to fly next to them and ram them into the terrain on the sides, which was really awkward. And going high speed in it was just stressful. And in this one, the the big difference is that Dash kills the entire gang before he gets to Luke, whereas in the book, he shows up and helps Luke. And we get the... Uh, little thing where we're going to go to this cargo freighter to get the supercomputer that will tell us about the empire's construction plans, which is the same as in the book. Uh, but in that one, we get some boffins being involved with Luke and um, because they send him this uh, like message message, little thing that Luke intercepts and it's for Leia. And <clears throat> they're like, all right, you need to, uh, tell us Leia's password so that we can deliver this super secret intel to the Rebel Alliance. And he guesses just horrible things, you know, like basically the, oh, would the password be Luke Skywalker? Would it be Han Solo? You know, like just horrible passwords. And then uh, <laughs> can you guess what the actual password Princess Leia Organa would use? Yeah, Alderaan. Or it's probably yes. Alderaan 1. No, no, it's just Aldrin. Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, it's all you got to use a, a uppercase letter and you got to use a number. So Aldrin one. Uh, <laughs> and so then um, after that, we get to uh, skip the Bothans from the book and Dash doesn't get his, you know, sad moment uh, of, oh, I failed to save people and we don't get the. We don't get the Rogue Squadron showing up. Wedge actually had a decent role in the book. And then we get part four, where Shizor has Leia, and we want to go and rescue Leia, but instead of going in as this group, Dash has to go and cover the escape route with pulse bombs. And so um, he gets to fly through sewers with his jetpack, and... The sewer was not nearly that disgusting in the book. It was still a sewer, but, you know, in, in this one, he's, like, full body diving into these, like, Olympic-sized swimming pools. Oh, I don't even remember water. that level. Crazy. I'm going to have to check that game out again. 
uh yeah it, it's that instead of shizor's palace like you don't actually go into the palace oh, okay uh, that must just be the parts i'm remembering i think you're picturing uh the cargo ship uh as totally. uh the palace and um then after that you get to uh go into the uh, skyhook viper zerg which is what you were talking about with the space targeting game where your ship just autopilots as you're like moving your cursor all over the screen trying to shoot down ships so uh, uh let me ask you this uh in science fiction do you have any idea what the difference is between a skyhook and a space station well, in this one, the Skyhook is connected to the surface by an elevator. Okay, totally. They're using it as like a space elevator. Well, it, uh, how a Skyhook would really work is um, is it would be on like an elliptical orbit. So it would go like way out away from the planet and then like way back in like through the atmosphere, like into the atmosphere. And so the idea would be is that when it was going through the atmosphere, like really low in the atmosphere, you could meet up with it and like it could literally like hook a payload and pull it off into a way higher orbit um, really efficiently without using a bunch of fuel because it's always uh, making that big oval, the big loop. Yeah, I don't think it got that scientific. but that's No, I don't think uh, I think they're just using the name Skyhook because it's cool. But that's what a cool. Skyhook actually is. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the entire video game. You get to fight IG, you get to fight an ATST, IG88, Boba Fett, and a whole lot of uh, Dianogas um, that aren't nearly as scary as I remember. Like I remembered them being horrifying in the video game, but you know their roar is still scary. Uh, yeah. They're just really easy to kill because of auto aim. Uh, <laughs> um, Totally. And I remember the Wampas being super scary. Oh, uh, dude, the they took base. so many shots. And there were also other Wampas, but, you know, not snow ones. They were, uh, like, brown. What does Wampa Stampa get you? Wampa Stampa gets you something, if you make your name Wampa Stampa. I don't remember that. Supposedly. If your name is Wampa Stampa, and, and you you start the game, you uh, you hold down the start button, then you... Uh, press the control pad uh, at, and the right C button at the same time, you can switch between the Snowtrooper and Dash Randar. I wonder if that's true. That sounds interesting to try. But uh, at the time when Shadows of the Empire came out, it was like a super advanced game, and it was one of the first games to use motion capture. Man, just looking at screenshots from this game, the graphics are so bad. <laughs> Uh, everything is, uh, it looks like a Nintendo DS game, actually. I'm sure that a DS remake would have looked better. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, it was a really fun run down memory lane for me, uh, replaying it and rereading it. I read the book and then I played the game and it was a good time. It's really fascinating to me, the lengths that they went through to make sure that they would do their, uh, their toy sales right like it's all it's all the backbone for toy sales and uh, i'm looking at uh right now on ebay uh, an action fleet of uh it's not the viper it's called the virago or virago yeah virago um weird or maybe that's just Caesar's version anyway uh action fleet was awesome and it looks like you can get them mint in box on ebay right now for 50 dollars, which is uh less than i thought it would be actually 
the Transformers nerd starts collecting Star Wars toys. <laughs> no, it. no, no. Um, although if I did, oh gosh, okay, their B wing is only thirty seven dollars. That's freaking cool. You could you could get an action fleet B wing with a teeny tiny little pilot and a, a hideous Mon Calamarian uh, for the low price of thirty seven eighty two. Oh, oh, never mind. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. It's a uh, auction. It's not the buy it now. Nobody does auctions. Looking at action fleet boxes, I don't remember most of these. <clears throat> I think I recognize Vader, Vader's ship, and like the 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 little uh like gun looking whole uh stand for his ship that. Can, has like the light up light and the audio tracks. I, I recognize that. So after we've gone through all of this, how likely are you to go and read or play Shadows of the Empire again? Uh, I'm very likely to play the game uh, probably t this evening just to tool around with it. Um, if I could get running on the TV so the kids could see it, that'd be even better. So they can complain about the graphics. Smart, smart. Really surprised it hasn't come out on the Nintendo Switch. I mean, considering they have uh, Republic Commando. I think that uh, Shadows of the Empire is cool enough that if they don't give us the movie, they should give us like a full remaster. Uh, you know, like modern Star Wars graphics. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome if they just rebuilt it from the ground up. If they do that, though, I want new levels. I want like an expanded game. Yeah, so that we can actually enjoy a, a snow speeder game, a swoop bike game, a ship game, and a third person game. You know, like a full game of each. Yeah, or do like Grand Theft Auto, but for Star Wars, and just have it like you can like punch somebody off their speeder and steal it, and like I grab it to my spaceship and fly it around. I think Dash would be a really good uh, Grand Theft Auto style character. Yeah, I think that would be a brilliant spin to put on it. Because then you could do the whole vehicles and uh, uh, foot foot battle stuff, and uh, most importantly, it sells toys. <laughs> yeah, I used to have a ton of them. Uh, I actually saw the uh, the giant ATAT -AT you have, uh, the big ATAT. -AT. I saw that at a toy store, and they wanted like two hundred bucks for it. I think. Yeah, that's uh, standing on top of my bookshelf, staring at my TV, so that I get to see it every day. It's one of the few toys that have survived my entire life. That's awesome. So I remember being a kid when this was coming out, and I remember being just as psyched for it as anything else. And for anybody who was already into Star Wars, it was uh, very obvious what, what it was and uh, what it meant as far as like products we could expect and storybooks and video games and stuff. Uh, I remember it being super awesome. And uh, it's definitely a, a nugget of Star Wars that expands the universe that... Uh, has been really uh, bypassed, so I would love to see it get some sort of revival. I think an animated series is an awesome, awesome idea. Agreed. I think a really smart person mentioned that earlier in this podcast. <laughs> it just feels like uh, it would be the appropriate thing for them to do, because their current model seems to be, yes, telling new Star Wars stories, but they're also filling in the blanks of existing Star Wars stories. Yeah, and trying to take stuff that is old canon taking stuff that's old canon uh extended universe or whatever and trying to make it into canon 
And this one doesn't really step on any toes. Like this one wouldn't interfere with the sequel fates that they decided for people. <clears throat> it fits perfectly between the movies without changing anything. And so it would be really easy to put it in there and not have to worry about it messing up their canon continuity. Did you know that Dash Rendar's uh, spaceship is seen in the Star Wars A New Hope Special Edition? It's leaving Moss Eisley as they go there? Well, there you go. He's already canon. <laughs> yeah, he's already there, so why not? What was his ship called? The Outrider? Yeah, yeah the Outrider. It, yeah, It's already it. canon. Disney? Get to it. Well, that's everything we have on Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Thank you for listening to us talk about something older than most of you or your children. And you can look for Bored and Nerdy wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to like and subscribe uh, because, you know, our following on Bored and Nerdy is just so big that we're obviously making a fortune off of this and we need more. It's important to like and subscribe because we like you. And so you need to show us that you like us. Yeah, or we won't know. Next time on Bored and Nerdy, we will be discussing The Matrix Resurrections. We hope you're a little less bored and a little more nerdy.